And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of One of These Years. Uh, special episode. We have the three-man booth today. Uh, there's a lot going on in Lion's Land and a lot to talk about, as always, of course. But uh, I'm, of course, Nick Bongarder, joined by Golden Pouncy and Chris Burke. Uh, part-time lions expert. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Chris, what do we call you now? I don't. I don't know. I got on like 15 minutes early to air my grievances before yeah, we started. Well. So, and then, and then Colton, of course, is here as well. Colton, how are we doing? I'm doing good. Busy week out here in uh, Allen Park, but uh, a lot of time. Indeed, about. indeed, a busy week. I don't really even know where to start here. Um, I don't want to. I don't know what whether to start with the pleasant Aubrey Pleasant being fired at the beginning of the week, or let's start with Hawkinson here because I think that's actually probably a bigger. Um, a bigger thing. The pleasant thing is more of a is more confusing to me, and maybe that's for a, <laughs> a different conversation later in the show here. But Colton, um, you want to walk us through and set the stage? I think we we all probably talked maybe a week ago about the trade deadline a little bit in Slack or something. And I, well, you and I have talked, Colton. I know about you know is there going to be anybody that maybe the Lions would trade? Who would it be? And the only guy that came up in my head was Hawkinson based on everything we've talked about with um, what we're going to talk about here in a second, you know, based on his profile and everything else. But uh, Colton, walk me through it because you're there every day. Were you shocked, surprised, whatever your reaction was, and then just sort of walk us through the actual trade and, and how they uh, sorted it out? Yeah, um, was not shocked. Uh, we kind of been talking about that for a few weeks now, I think, just kind of going back and forth. Um, you know, Hawkinson, the thing with him is, you know <laughs> – there are some games where he's been productive. He's had some big catches. He's had some nice moments this year. And then yeah. other games where like you wonder if he's even on the field just because they're not targeting him or he's not getting open or, or whatever. So I think when it came to the trade deadline and you're kind of trying to assess where this team is, it was pretty clear that they should probably sell some guys and try to you know accumulate some picks here. Mm-hmm. The question is how many of those guys are of value to other teams and how many of those guys can you actually afford to lose at this point. And right. so the one guy that made sense was probably TJ Hawkinson. And, you know, Brad Holmes said, uh, you know, he spoke on, on Wednesday and mm-hmm. said, my phone was pretty dead, you know, Friday going into the weekend, but things really kind of picked up um, Saturday and Sunday, um, had some phone calls, you know, talked to the Vikings GM and kind of went from there. And on Tuesday, they, they kind of pulled the trigger on this move and, you know, they got a couple of picks. It's basically a pick swap and, and hot right. going to the Vikings. So that is basically what it evens out to. But um, they ultimately determined TJ Hawkinson was not a player that they probably you know, didn't want to pay the the money it would take to keep him around. And if you have a chance to kind of get some picks and also free up some cap space for this next offseason, I thought it was a good move to do it. And, uh, you know, Brad Holmes kind of talked about that a little bit on Wednesday. An understandable move was, I think, the thing I, I landed on at the end. Because it's like there's nothing, you know, like people, good, bad, whatever. Like, I, I don't know if I want to look at it as good because I think it is a good move. It's a smart move. But it's like it's not good when you lose a good player. It's never good when you lose a good player when you – are sending someone off, and I understand the frustration on their side. And part of the reason I want to bring Chris on here is because I wanted to ask him, obviously, his thoughts on the Hawkinson thing too, but also, 
to sort of remember back to the last couple times this team traded at the deadline or made trades and what the circumstances were. And maybe we can compare and contrast a little bit of that. But we'll start with, were you surprised, um, Chris? I, I think guys in the locker room, Colton would agree with this. Guys in the locker room, I think we're, we're shocked a little bit initially. Like, holy shit, they just traded one of our best players. But then they were kind of like, okay, like, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. As golf is, I think, not happy. But whatever, yeah. I don't think that it was something where, before I go to Chris here, I just wanted to clear that up really quick, Colton. If you agree, disagree, whatever. But your your vibe in there yesterday on whether or not the guys were upset about it. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say anyone was like... Goff was well, upset like about the, it. The only person <laughs> that we noticed that was like kind of frustrated with it was, was Jared Goff. Because yeah. he kind of started off his press conference by addressing the Hawkinson trade and said, basically said, I don't want to answer any more questions about this. Uh-huh. And of course he got five more immediate questions about it because that's what, <laughs> that's what we, we have do. to ask those questions. Yeah. yeah. And he got to a point where he's like, guys, I addressed this in the beginning. I don't want to talk about it anymore. So it's like, all right. Yeah. He's, he's pissed. He's, he's not happy. Yeah. Um, but I other than it. that, like you're going to the locker room, you're talking to guys and it's kind of like, they understand like, look, they're one in six. Um, mm-hmm. These are adults in the room. They kind of understand that they haven't gotten the job done. And when you put yourself in a position like this record-wise, you know, you're vulnerable to selling off some dudes. And I think they all understood that. And as much as they, you know, probably wish that he would be part of this going forward, they also understand this is a business and we weren't good enough to kind of keep him around and right. all that stuff. So that's kind of, I think, where, where the players are at. Right. Okay. Now we go to Chris here. And I want to start with, were you surprised at the deal, uh, period? Like, were you surprised at this, that they did this? Uh, I wasn't surprised. No, I mean, I, I will kind of call Brad Holmes bluff that he would have done this at six and one right. <laughs> or yeah. okay. three and right. four, even four and yeah. three. I don't know that that record, would have happened. Right? Maybe right. not. If they yeah. were in this a little bit more and had this schedule coming up that they have that looks, yeah. That's... I mean, there's some winnable games the rest of the way. Uh, why I don't know. Holmes doesn't talk to the media a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that he would have done right, and that's why he doesn't. It's sort of unfortunate because that's yeah. probably the soundbite that's now gotten oh, yeah. the most people, play, right? So people ran all over the place. I'm sure he walked why, away and was like, "Brad, what the hell are you saying? What is right. this?" This is yeah. why people like hate talking to the media. Um, <laughs> but no, I wasn't surprised, and I think it um, for the reasons that you guys mentioned, and also I think it's probably fair. Like I, I did that feature with Hawkinson. Last year, I think, right, yeah, you know, and he said, "I want to be here, but you know, whatever happens, happens. I can't guarantee. I don't know if I'm going to be the guy here." Like, and at that point, obviously, it was early in the Campbell regime, but they clearly hadn't had like no conversations with him about being one of the pieces they wanted to build around, you know. And so, fast mm-hmm. forward a year later, and it's not a surprise that uh, I would have to imagine they've had some conversations with his agent at this point. Or this, what are you <laughs> thinking you're yeah. going to make? And he said, well, I'm gonna, I want X dollars. Exactly. Like, Holmes <laughs> admitted that yesterday. <laughs> no. yeah. uh, so, no, I wasn't surprised in that regard. I think it was interesting. You know, it's an interesting trade. Cole mentioned the pick swap. We've seen, like, NFL trades used to be just, like, one guy for a pick or, like, mm-hmm. straight-up trades. We've seen some more of these that are, like, they're like NBA style trades, right? He's got With a year left. Too, He's yeah. got uh, we're swapping picks. Like it's a little more creative, and so it's it's almost harder to wrap your head around it in the moment because you're not getting a second round pick for Hawkinson. You're moving up seventy picks or whatever it ends up being, you know. So it's you know it, it doesn't yeah. turn out to be quite as glamorous as as it seems. And so you say, all right, well you drafted this guy eighth overall 
he was a pro bowler last year. You've got him through next year. Like, is this actually the maximum you could have gotten for him? Or was there another time to do this? I think that's really the only thing. That's fair. That's fair. If you did this in February or March, could you have gotten more for him than you got for him right now? That's really my only question. Because I think it's clear they didn't want to. They didn't really see the need to sign him long term. They probably didn't want the nine and a half million on the cap for next year, whatever it is. That's a, you know, he's mm-hmm. making a, under a million this year. So that's a huge right. jump. But that's my only question. Like, did you have to do this right this second or could you have waited till draft weekend and moved him for yeah. something? So before we get into the second part of all this here, the, just to, I understood all of that and that part that you're saying as well. Chris, about like you maybe, and I think a lot of people were sort of hinting at that in their initial reactions of like, well, he's playing really well. Like if he has a really good finish to the year, like you could maybe flip him in the in the spring or something and it could be even better. But And that's true. But I also kind of looked at this as something that we used to see from this franchise as something that would be kicked down the road and would just be ignored and would just be never dealt with. And, would, and then it would be, well... You know, here he is a couple years later. He's obviously not going to get paid what he wants to get paid. And now we've got a Galladay situation where he's like, I'm hurt. I can't play. Get me out of here. Oh, God. You know, and then so like that's the other (laughs) that's the other side of it. And I'm not going to sit here and say that's not where that would have gone, because I think it would have because I don't think they were ever going to pay him, uh, especially this staff. And I would say that as clear as I can say it, I think that the Lions front office and coaching staff did not see TJ Hawkinson as a physical enough presence uh, within the run game or someone that wanted to. And this is the other argument because he's 25 and people would say, well, he's got time. He could he could continue to develop. And my argument here is I would say if you polled the staff, um, they would probably tell you that not only did they not, are they not in love with his run blocking? I'm not sure he's in love with the idea of getting better at it. I, I think he wants to be a flex tight end who wants to play in space and run around and make 80 catches a year. And I don't know if he can do that, number one. And number two, I don't think the Lions are interested in setting the market for a tight end who can't really block the way they want him to block. And like Chris just said, Brad Holmes told us yesterday, no in certain terms, they've talked with TJ's reps. Um, you know, He said, I think, first thing in Minneapolis yesterday was he wasn't surprised at any of this, uh, which pretty much indicates that TJ's rep said, this is what we want. And Brad Holmes said, absolutely not. And this was, <laughs> and so it was just going to be a, you know, a game of chicken until you made the deal. Uh, and so when the phone rings and somebody says, here it is, I don't hate it when you pull the trigger, but like, I mean, that's the thing, right, Chris? Cause it's like, you know, and Campbell mentioned that yesterday. Now that TJ is gone, you're going to have more reps for St. Brown. You're going to have more balls for Williams. You're going to have more stuff for everybody else. But you know, could TJ have become more valuable down the line? That's fair to that's fair to if you're gonna nitpick this thing or or not even nitpick, if you're gonna criticize it, I think that is probably the biggest point to criticize. That you maybe could have gotten more if you waited, but I also don't hate that they just did it because for years it would always be, right? Like, what are they gonna do? And I don't know. Here we are at the end and they don't know what they're gonna do, right? So yeah. Yeah, I, I mean I, like I said, I, I didn't think it was a bad trade yeah. like i totally understood it if you just take everything like separate separate it all out and say this is a team that's one and six they're rebuilding they've got a guy who's going to have a huge contract next year and isn't playing up to that in their scheme mm-hmm. you get some good draft picks you're loading up for this draft clearly um like 
Okay, go do it. Yeah. Fine. No problem with the trade. The problem is, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little, is just that it's hard to separate out those things from like the last 60 years of Lions history. 100%. 100%. And so you see a number eight pick getting dumped in a pick swap to save some money and you're like, oh, what, what the <laughs> hell are we doing here? Like right. now yeah. who's going to play tight end? So um, I don't know. That's the only other thing. That's It is hard to separate and, that stuff out. Yeah. I will mention real quick just as like, a nugget that I find interesting. Uh, the Lions loved Irv Smith in the 2019 draft. <laughs> then why didn't they draft him? <laughs> well, like, if they hadn't taken Hawkinson oh at eight, God. I think they would have gone at like Ed Oliver, Irv Smith in rounds one and two. Which is what they should have done in the first well, place, ladies and gentlemen. Discuss amongst yourselves. I can't. And now the Vikings get both of them. Plan. And, you know, and that is like that is long term. Ed Oliver probably would have been in here in his yeah. second contract. Though, so. I would think so. Uh, yeah. Uh, just anyway, just a little nugget. I, Matt Patricia loved, loved, loved Irv Smith. So well, there you go, Bob Quinn, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Reunite. And I think that that's ultimately like the biggest, and like Chris said, people have a hard time unpacking it because the biggest frustration here is that you should have never taken him when you took him. And like, that was the criticism of Quinn at the time. He loved Hawkinson, obviously, all this, that, and the other. And TJ has done well for himself at, you know, marketing himself for what he is. Colton, before we move on to the deeper stuff here, uh, the one thing that I, and you mentioned Goff earlier, the one thing that I think we can, because people were kind of like yesterday with Holmes, it was like, and Campbell. You know, does this mean you guys are quitting on the season? Does this mean you guys are tanking? Does this mean you guys are this, that, and the other? Uh, doesn't mean any of that. Of course, they're going to continue to compete. But, but, uh, this is also why I wanted Chris to come on here today. I think that trade, if nothing else, tells old number 16, JG, he is not going to be QB1 here uh, in the long term. And if he is going to be QB1 in the long term, it's not going to be something that he's just, he's going to have to fight a number one draft pick for it. Colton, do you disagree with my take that I just said there? Because I don't see any other way for him to read that. Like, they just took away his most seasoned pass catcher and, like, is what it is, my man. We want more picks to make a move. That's how I read it. I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> that has never been clearer than yesterday. Um like Correct. When you, when you watch golf up there and he's, like... And he's always, you know, sometimes can get in the mood or he's a little short with us, which is fine. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Not everyone has to be... Sunshine and real. hundred percent. And he has a hard job. Yes, Let's okay. I get it. Yeah, yes. I get it. Yes. Um, but I mean, like for him to come out and say some of the things he did, like he was like, yeah. it sucks to lose a teammate like that. And the guy I've grown close to, and you know, obviously a great player on the field who mm -hmm. I have a good connection with, like he wasn't trying to like exactly sugarcoat everything. You can kind of read between the lane, read between the lines and kind of yeah. see what he was feeling in that moment. Like you guys took away one of my top targets, my leading receiver this year, the guy who's been around, since I got here, uh, one mm -hmm. of my good friends on the team, and you traded him for future assets right. th that may or may not help you move up if you need to, you know, get a quarterback or whatever, whatever. Yeah. Like, just Jared Goff has open. Saturdays free, ladies and gentlemen. He watches Alabama, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Anyway, go on. Um, I mean, it's hard. Like, he's trying to win. Uh, he probably yeah. hates losing. He's been a part of winning organizations in the past. So, like, I'm sure this is all – Kind of new territory and tough for him, but at the same time, it's like as as a player when someone you're one in six and you know the offense is playing well. It's really not the offense's fault. Like they've yeah. done their job for the most part. They've had some issues along the way, but um, they're not the reason this team is one in six ultimately. And now now all of a sudden you trade away his top target, you trade yeah. him for future assets. You're kicking the can down the road. 
you know, the calls for a quarterback are only going to grow louder after this. You hear Brad Holmes say, we're still in build phase. Like, yeah, there's no backup. <laughs> yeah, like, those yeah. are all keywords to me that like, yeah. hey, guys, this is, you know, where this is going. And uh-huh. I think the office started to understand that. I think maybe that was the reason for some of that frustration a little bit yesterday. So I think so, too. Um, yeah, I think if you're reading between the lines, it's kind of kind of clear which direction the lines are kind of leaning here. Yeah, it's hard to not sort of see that as like, because people, you know, are they giving up? What are they giving? They're giving up on the idea that Jared, I mean, maybe they already did a long time ago, or maybe they had never had this idea, but the idea that Jared Goff's going to be the quarterback here for the next four years or something like that, unquestioned, has been given up on. Like, you can say that that has been given up on. That's not going to be a thing. I think that, you know, we did not have the end season or whatever press conference with Brad Holmes, like he likes to say, uh, but at some point, you know, it's he'll never probably admit it, I guess. But like, how do you not take a quarterback last year? We've talked about this over and over again. There are so many things that kind of pop up here now where it's like you sort of did a lot for Jared Goff. And now at this point, it is what it is. He's going to have to dig himself out of this hole. Whether or not he does that is going to be on him. And I think the frustration that he sort of rightly showed, and I, I, I understood it, was like he saw it the same thing. Like they're giving up on you know, giving me anything to help me or whatever, become the guy here. I'm going to have to kind of do it and pull it out of the fire. And it's like, like Chris, it's like the realization of like next year, I, I'm probably going to be like QB two in Indy or something like that. <laughs> I that, mean, not uh, to be dramatic, but maybe, right. I don't know. Like uh, how much so, does yeah. that concern you for? Like it does a lot, the actually. The rest of the year. Because we've talked a lot, a lot like last year even, about like we got to keep Goff in a good headspace. We got to make yeah. sure he's okay. And now he's he hasn't always played well, obviously. Even this year, they're like even Sunday, I'm sure some of the frustration was just like, oh, if I just played better in the second right. half Sunday, maybe we would have kept him and we would have won that game. Like I'm sure some of it's just uh, self-reflective criticism there, but – We've talked a lot about like golf only plays well when he's feeling super comfortable. And now you've right, told him yeah. he's not going to be your quarterback. <laughs> you, Basically, you yeah. traded away his guy. You're one in six. Are you concerned that he's just going to implode over the last 10 right. games? Here? What are you going to do? Play Tim Boyle? <laughs> like, <laughs> I can, you have wants, to. Like, people want to see what Sudfeld can do. Sudfeld. Do Boyle's not even here oh, anymore. Right. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. no, but that's a great point. I mean, Colton, I would ask you, I mean, Jared Goff's going to have to be, this is, this was always going to be a huge uh, thing for him. And it. Chris and I talked about this a ton the first like year. Does he realize the situation that he's in? Or is he still sort of coming to grips with the situation that he's in? He is in a prove-it spot. And I don't know if he all the way felt that now it is. Like, you got to be a professional and you got to go prove it like everybody else. And so I think that there is a fair concern there about, like, is he going to just pout? And like throw fit and not and not play well the rest of the year and say whatever you guys don't want me anyway or can we see something more from Jared Goff like to me this is like the biggest test of his life as a football player <laughs> I mean right now because it's like like I just said you either play really well for the next whatever and change your situation or next year you're QB two for the Colts because they're not going to keep you you know what I mean like that's just not at the salary yeah. and I think that that's the situation yeah I'm thinking back to the beginning of the season and like our discussions like. What would it have taken for Goff to be the long-term guy here to prove that he can be the guy? Right. Like, what kind of season would he have needed to kind of put forth? And the first four games he played well. He had like 11 touchdowns and, and two picks or three picks mm-hmm. like that through four games. 
And I think that conversation earlier was, okay, if he can sustain this Absolutely. full season, he can be the guy we can focus fully on defense and move forward with him as our quarterback. And then things started to tail off. He had you know, a lot of turnovers, like six turnovers in a two-game span against right. uh, New England and Dallas. And, um, you know, he had a better game last week against the Dolphins, but still missed some throws that, you know, quarterback probably shouldn't make. That fourth-and-two right. throw, even even that one, it was kind of like, yep. well, you had one-on-one. You had a chance to gotta make it. that. Yep. You got to make it. it, right? Yep. And so it, it, it's tough because, it, you know, he's playing – he did play well at some points. The offense was tailored around him to kind of get the most out of him. But yep. if you have to do everything – Everything with this offense just to make sure golf is in a good position. Don't you want a quarterback with maybe, you know, a wider margin of error for you? Yep. You don't have to tailor everything to kind of get the most out of his skill set. And like we talked about, a more mobile guy that can kind of, you know move around mm-hmm. and improvise when things break down around him. It doesn't have to be perfect for a guy like that, if that's Bryce Young, if that's whoever, right? Yeah. With golf, we've kind of seen what he can do when they try to maximize an offense around him. So it's a tough spot, a tough conversation because he's, you know, he's a good guy and, you know, I know he's playing well and he's trying hard, but a lot of it is, is just his own shortcomings. And yeah. if you can't get past that, you have to kind of look elsewhere. And they have the resources to do that this year. And we've mm-hmm. always said this was the year because they can get out of the golf contract if they want. Right. Right. Um, they're bad enough to where they can get one of those quarterbacks and they have more assets to where even if they win some games down the stretch and kind of take themselves out of that top five range, whatever. Now you add a second round pick, um, you move up a little bit and you can you know, trade back if you want to, like they have some options, they have some resources to make it done and get it done. And it seems like this is the year to do it. So all the signs are kind of pointing that way. We'll see what happens in the future, but, um, golf it's, it's tough because this is, he now loses one of his top targets and that, Mm -hmm. that pressure that was already on him is only going to grow these last 10 games or so. Yeah. There was so much about like this year was about, I think for golf was so much about buying himself next year here. Um, than it was about buying himself long term. Like if he could have, like Colton said, if he could have played or taken those first four games and extended them, you know, for the whole season or something. First of all, they would have like had a great year because he was playing really well. And second of all, like it would have changed the conversation. In are are we as the franchise? Are we going to have to go all in on a quarterback in the first round and go get Bryce Young, or can we play the board and wait and see where these guys fall and take a guy in the second or third round? We're taking a guy either way. But do we have to take? A, do we have to go all in and go get a guy right now and just say he's our guy and whatever? Or do we? Or can we still keep waiting a little bit? And I think that's where they were, and they didn't win enough games. They didn't show enough progress. Same reasons as like we're going to talk about here in a second and everything with the defense. Like, and so they make a decision. It is what it is. Before I go to our break here, uh, Chris, you were here at the very beginning of golf. Am I? Are we jumping to too hard a conclusion on this one? Do you think? Or um, you know, I, I don't. I just, it's hard for me to see a situation. I could see him here next year, right? I guess. But it, again, I, I don't think that's promised. And it's hard for me to see something long-term, certainly, um, at this point. Uh, I don't think, I mean, I think we've given this enough time at this point yeah. um, to know what what the ceiling is and what is I think so too. what you're more often going to get, I think. You know, the mm-hmm. ceiling isn't – he's not living at the ceiling. The ceiling's coming for like one or two games, and then it's vanishing. And, and then it never just, comes back. Yeah. Right. And it's <laughs> – right. And it, it's just really hard to to succeed like that. So, no, I mean, I I, I think it, it's hard because we have such a – you know, it's such a reactive um, cycle – to covering sports. So we, you know, we probably jumped the gun a little bit at the start of last year and then he started playing a little better. And mm-hmm. so we, you know, backed off, but um, like Colton said, and like we've said all along, like, I think 
we probably could have done a better job just stepping back and taking a look at that bigger picture and saying like, okay, that's, this is fine. This is what they thought he was going to be for two years. And then they were going to yeah. figure it out. And like, uh, yeah, I mean, at $30 million, it's hard for me to see them going another year with it, but no, maybe, I mean, maybe he's just, maybe this is just, you live with it for one more year and let him play while the backup or while the young guy comes in and settles in. I don't know. Maybe you use that second round pick and, <laughs> trade his contract somewhere <laughs> I, I, I don't know, know. Um, something will have to happen though with the I, money. I just I don't yeah. think we're over I don't think it's an overreaction at this point I mean I think no. you see you've seen some of the potential for what they can be with this offense and I think you also get to that point where you say all right well this looks this scheme looks really good if you mm-hmm. had a guy who could do x y and z oh my god it'd be yeah. great and <laughs> right. Goff yeah. can't do that and no. you know Probably so never will be able to. Sort of yeah. answers the questions for you. I agree with that. I think it's a good place to take a break. And on the other side, we're going to come back and talk a little bit of uh, trade history and uh, where this thing is going. And then also Aubrey Pleasant as well, because that happened too this week. So hang on. We'll be right back uh, after a timeout after this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
All right, everybody, we're back. Uh, another episode of One of These Years, of course, and we're going to talk a little bit of deeper conversation here about the Lions, the Fords, Brad Holmes, the whole thing, where this is going, where it's probably not going right now or whatever. But I wanted to talk with Chris about when Diggs got, when Quandre Diggs got traded, when Slay got traded, the last time the Lions really made any kind of moves at the deadline. Um, and Colton just set the scene for us earlier about, you know, the guy's reaction in the locker room. Um, I was there yesterday. I went out there and wanted to spe specifically see it. Uh, it was full. The locker room was as full as I've ever seen it covering the Lions, frankly. It was my first time in there actually this year. Chris will be glad to know there are pool tables, uh, ping pong, music, plays, all this. Guys like to hang out with each other, right? They, and it was a normal vibe. I didn't, you know, guys weren't like, you know, jumping up and down or clicking their heels, whatever. But it was a normal football. We practiced. We're going on. We're moving on. Um, okay. When Quandre Diggs got traded, Chris, what, uh, if you can remember, what was the vibe then when we walked into the, uh, Ford Field family locker, or whatever the hell it's called, family locker room in Allen, in Allen Park, might I ask? Well, as we go I mean, to the, the way vibe back. in general, those days was <laughs> not, not great. what it is now. So. There were no pool tables. There were no ping pong tables. No uh, music. Yeah, right. Um, no, I mean, I think the vibe then, and then the slate trade happened in the offseason, obviously, so we yeah, weren't around. That's true, guys, it is. You're but, right. Um, yep. The Diggs trade was just more of, I mean, no one really knew what was going on with the mm -hmm. Diggs trade, and I think that was the vibe in the locker room. Just that was a guy who was, playing people well. loved him in that yeah. locker room. He right. was a leader in that locker room. They had, that was Tracy Walker's cousin, I believe, rookie right? year, right, I think? Second Slay year. Was his, Slay is his cousin, so it was rookie. Oh, year. I thought Diggs was his cousin, but he was. Am I getting it backwards now? Either way, <laughs> he no, you're right. Slay, uh, he and Slay uh, are related. Either way, yeah. But, but he and Diggs so had become was close. Yeah, right. Yeah, Walker was close with both those guys. Diggs had taken him like under his wing. They had. Yeah, he was training all him, these basically. young safeties. Yeah. And then he was just gone the next day, and mm -hmm. I, so I don't think there was any real understanding of why it happened, and we got sort of the organizational side of it where they said like we didn't you know he wasn't a good personality fit, <laughs> and they were mad that he like traded jerseys after they lost a close game in green oh bay my and God. like that's uh, right colton. that's right colton we used to go around the locker room and say whoever has a jersey in there from the other side is getting traded and, that guess, is so and guess what we were like 85 percent right <laughs> it was usually right well then they stopped letting him do it period but there's right. a ton of jerseys um, in there now oh so. yeah that's all it is now it's like a party in there which maybe <laughs> sometimes you know I think, right i think st brown got waddles jersey after that last time so <laughs> so, sometimes, right sometimes you could see it the other way but anyway go ahead chris yeah. no yeah i mean i think it was very different vibe and there also was like it was two years in a row too because 20 digs was 2019 right yeah I think, 2019 I'm remembering right and the year before that um was bizarre too because they had uh they traded for snacks right well they traded right that was patricia's first year um and they, right they traded for snacks for damon harrison right before like a week before the deadline right lost to seattle and then trade and then, a goal yeah. the day, like a day later. Um, and so there was like a brief like 48-hour window where you're like, oh, they're going for it. And they were 3-3, three and three, and they had Seattle at home, and then Seattle just ran all over them. And Snacks they didn't do day, anything. And then they got <laughs> clobbered by Minnesota the week after. And so, yeah, the every trade that happened in that 
yeah. regime was just sort of a, what are we doing here, guys? The Tate one was contract related. The Diggs and Slay ones were very much like, this personality doesn't fit. I don't right. I don't think that was the case with Hawkinson. You guys maybe can speak I better to that. I was going to ask you guys. I mean, I don't get that sense. And I think yeah. Patricia and Quinn like scarred Lions fans because every time a player gets traded now for picks, they're just like, right. this is Quintricia all over again. And I don't yeah. really see it that way. This is a no. different regime. They're trying to do different things. Like, People loved the Lions draft last year because, you know, they trade up for James. I remember it. Like, I wasn't even on the beat back then. But yeah. people were pretty high in that draft. Oh, well, we like, all were. Yeah, so, absolutely. Okay, so now they got five top 65 picks. They, you know, gotten some assets, and now people are, like, mad at this. I don't I don't understand. Is this what you're supposed to be doing in a big The draft place? is the only thing Holmes has kind of done <laughs> consistently well, like, without exception almost, yeah. right? Like, yeah. that's kind of the one thing that we don't – I mean, he's had – you know, we can question some of the picks, but, I mean, by and large – it's been pretty good, I think. In a, in a, in a, yeah, I agree with you. I, agree with, I, I don't yeah, see I, it the same way at all. Exactly. Yeah. But continue. Yep. Oh, yeah. Did he freeze? And I, <laughs> well, anyway, go ahead, Chris. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, and I think Here you know, is. just going Died. back to like talking with Hawkinson a little bit. I think. I mean, he brought it up when I went out there and spent time with him. Like, <clears throat> I like Dan Campbell. We've hit it off really well, but they didn't draft me, and so right, anytime yeah. that's happens. And you're in this spot where you're like, all right, well, we got to rebuild and we want to get our guys in here. I mean, certainly you can have some carryover and like Hawkinson could have been one of their guys. Mm -hmm. Like I think like Ragnow certainly is one 100%. of their guys. That was yeah. a Quinn draft pick. So it can happen. But Jonah, that's yeah. also part of it here. Like we didn't draft this guy. I don't want to pay him $10 million a year because we can do other stuff with that money. And maybe we can like. I mean, we've heard out the way they talk about some of these other picks. Like, and I said, well, it's that's what, like, yep. James Mitchell was not brought in here to be no James Mitchell and TJ Hawkinson one A one B. I don't think like nope. that was going to be their guy moving Long forward term. if he yeah. was healthy. So I don't know. I I felt more. This feels very much more like just here's what the budget is. Here's what the roster is. Yeah, let's hundred percent. We can do and let's so, move forward with our plan. I was standing in the locker room yesterday and I looked around and at one point, and I said to myself, like, how many guys in here would you rather pay $14 million to? And I don't know that that's what TJ asked for. I think if I look at the numbers, I think Kelsey is at like 16, Waller is at 17 a year. Um, I would assume based on who he came in with, where he was picked, what his numbers are, everything else, probably what he'll finish with this year, he is going to set the market or come close to it. And I looked in there and said, how many guys would you rather pay $15 million to or something like that? And I saw Jonah Jackson, and I saw Amon Ross St. Brown, and I saw Aline McNeil, and I saw Aiden, and I saw, you know, I saw Kirby Joseph, I saw Okuda, you know, and I, I did, I, TJ is like, I'm sorry, he was like the 12th guy on that list for me, you know what I mean? Like, it just... Yeah. We would have had to really go down because, I mean, and even though Jeff is like a guy who you're like, well, Jeff sucked uh, his rookie year and he still sucks sometimes. And it's like, yeah, you're right. Like, there are times where he sucks, but there are also times where he looks pretty awesome, like something that could be, you know, next level. I never saw that with TJ, ever. I saw, yeah. I didn't, I never saw Travis Kelsey with him. I never saw George Kittle with him. I like TJ. I don't think anybody at the Lions dislikes TJ. I think Campbell liked him. I think Holmes liked him. I think everybody TJ likes TJ. TJ likes TJ a lot too, and that's fine. I like that, right? Everybody yeah. is entitled to that. But at the end of the day, he I, I think TJ's vibe was correct when Chris talked to him. Like, they did not love TJ. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, 
And if you're going to pay somebody, you know, they love Frank. That's why they paid him right away. And I think that that's the difference. And I have no issue with it. It was an understandable move. And I think that I wanted to talk about just the difference in general, because I just feel like this is, you know, and to go back to the digs and the Slay stuff, you know, Slay was obviously he's demanding stuff on Twitter. That's how bad that got because they weren't going to pay him. They were being disingenuous with people back then. Uh, the Graham Glasgow situation was one that I totally forgot about until literally just now. They messed with his money for a year and a half um, so that they wouldn't have so to basically tried to downgrade his value so that they could get him on the cheap. Then when he and because the, they weren't going to pay him, then he obviously has to go and leave. And it's like and that's the stuff they were doing back then. That is not what's happening right now. And I think that it was important. Uh, and Chris, you're not there every day, but like. You could illustrate some of that. I mean, there are still things we can criticize about Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and everything else. This is not through yeah. seven games where this was through seven games in 2019. It is not. I'm sorry. It's just not even close. I forgot about the Glasgow thing too. You just mentioned that yeah. too. I did too like until rotating we were just him out, talking. so his snap count didn't get too high. I forgot about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, it's not. It's not that. I mean, I still think generally the culture seems fine. I mean, this was one of the things I think last time that I hopped on with you that I said I was curious to see or maybe it was mm -hmm. with I did the was talking with the guys at the Pride of Detroit on their podcast too like yeah. I'm like these guys that you've asked to really lean in and like help you build this foundation what happens if it doesn't work with them like you know like Oral Worrier was a guy they really yeah <laughs> propped up last year right and now and that's not, not so working so what happens and play I mean even maybe that leads us into the Aubrey Pleasant conversation too but Good what segue. happens is th this sort of like us against the world mentality takes a couple of hits because you got to ship yeah. out some guys. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to see sort of how the team reacts. Like I mentioned with Goff, like how this goes now. If he just is a shell on Sunday against Green Bay and throws four picks and you're like, well, we can't even play him anymore. Right. Um, yeah. Then the second half of the season might be bad. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, and again, it's it's really difficult. It's really difficult when a team's underachieving. I think it's fair to say, record-wise, this team's and underachieving. They are. Yeah, they it's are. really difficult to take mm -hmm. that step back at any point, but especially with this franchise when it's been like, well, year 61 is going to be the one that we really figure it out. It's the name of the podcast. <laughs> so, uh, I think it is, like, it's hard to sort of put it all into context, but I do think what you mentioned is important that the one area where we've seen Brad Holmes be super comfortable and people nitpick the Levi pick, which, yeah. you know, I think you can. Fair. Because we knew he had. Totally injuries. fair. Yep. Totally fair. Um, but that's the one area where he is 100% confident in the system yeah, he has no in doubt place in his with mind. the draft yep. and how he can scout everything and just going into that weekend. I, I'm sure is the best he feels all year. He and turns so into a different person. Like, like when you talk yeah, to him. Right. right. <laughs> it's true. And so I, for him to, just say, like, give me all the draft picks. Yeah. Let's get as many picks as we can, and I'll figure it out that weekend. Mm -hmm. I don't think is the worst strategy for him. I think that's why you hired him. Yeah. yeah. So, right. again, I understand why people are mad. Um, I do, too. But I don't think this was a terrible thing. Now, that's a good segue because we're going to go to talk about something here that I don't understand. And maybe <laughs> we can talk about this more and it'll make me understand. And that's Aubrey Pleasant's exit here. Um, and 
I want to unpack this one because there's a lot of people on Twitter that were like, this is a... They were mad for other re Like, Aaron Glenn should have been fired. Campbell should have been fired. All of them should have been fired. And it's like, okay, like, that's not why I thought this was a stupid move. But in any event, or I didn't get it, I should say. And, and that's where I wanted to start here. Um, this one, to me, uh, and obviously we haven't heard from Aubrey. He hasn't talked or whatever. Um, I'm sure he will at some point. He probably, and Aubrey is probably never going to air all this or whatever, I'm sure. He'll also be back soon and coaching, I'm, I'm almost positive of. Um, so I don't want to, you know, whatever, but like, Colton, you're there every day. This is, uh, if there was a move that shocked people this week, this is it right here. Yeah. Right? This is, I mean, you want to talk about the DBs, you know, they're close with him on a level of like beyond player coach. That was why, that was a huge part of the reason why they brought him here. <laughs> And we wrote that earlier in the week. The fit when they hired him seemed perfect. He's a local guy. Like, he gets it, all this stuff. Like, he's on the rise, young guy. And then poof. And it's like, I get that they aren't good. But also, the roster is a disaster. You're asking A.J. Parker to cover, you know, Tyreek Hill for crying out loud. So, yeah. I mean, walk me through this. Like, you've talked to the guys this week. Um, some of the DBs, too, and stuff. Uh, where are they at with it, I guess? And then maybe also, like, how would you expect them to react I guess to all this because this is a this this would be more surprising than anything else here. Well, it was funny because like when we were in the locker room on Wednesday, um, you know, everyone's asking about Hawk and everything, and I almost mm. forgot that they fired Pleasant. <laughs> like I'm exactly. happy through locker became, room availability, yeah. And I'm just I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. That happened on Monday. Like, let me talk to some yeah. of the dudes, and I I think I grabbed uh, Jerry Jacobs, Akuda, and Chase Lucas, and. Lucas, if you recall, mm -hmm. like was very tight with yeah, the, uh, on hard knocks. He was like attached to this hit. Basically, it was like mm -hmm. I just think I can be great, man. Like I just think like just keep me around, give me a chance. And like it was very much a big brother, yep. little brother kind of vibe with them. And I talked to him, and right, man, I swear that dude was like almost in tears talking about AP. He's just like I hope he gets a chance it. to play for him again someday. Like that's my guy. He believed in me yep. at the combine. He's giving me advice. Like I, it's just weird not to have a guy like that around the building anymore. Something I got to get used to. Um, Jeff took a little bit more of a business-like approach, which we know he he does, and more calculated. Mm -hmm. He's just like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it's tough to lose a guy like that, but we just got to move forward. And then Jerry was like, shit, I mean, that's my guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> As Jerry's known to do. Uh, yeah. He's like, yeah, it sucks. I mean, Jerry was the one that fired off that tweet after the news went yeah, out, he wasn't went out happy. on Monday. So he wasn't really happy with that. And, um, you know, that's kind of what I expected to hear from those guys. Like, they're close with him. That's a player development type of coach. Um, he's the guy that's going to give him hands-on training and whatnot. And whenever you lose a guy, it is tough and a guy with that, that reputation specifically. Um, but when you think about the reasons why this move was made, like, you know, you hear Campbell talking about communication and, and messaging and just being right. all on the same page. And it just doesn't seem like that was the case that kind of reflected in the play a little bit. I'm not sure you can blame it all mm -hmm. on Aubrey. Like a lot of it has to do with just players going out on the field and executing, which we've kind of highlighted yeah. over the last couple of weeks, but it reached a point where now seven games in, Nothing's getting much better. Right. So I think Campbell felt he needed to make a move. I'm not sure everyone in the building fully agrees with it, but it's done. And I guess they're trying to move forward. Yeah. Uh, you know, as, as as you're talking here, and we were talking yesterday too, it, it's maybe something that's come up in my head a little bit. It's like, I don't know if this was Campbell, but partially Campbell's way of being like, I got to wake people up. I got to wake people up here. Like, we got to get up. Because like we said earlier, like they are underperforming. They're not playing well. This is not... You know, the guys, some of the guys are, but not all of them and not at the same time. And it's disjointed and they can't get on the same page. Maybe this was his way of doing that. But I also don't. But it's like, okay, but 
you could have done that with Todd Walsh. <laughs> like, I mean, not to throw Todd Walsh totally out of the bus here, but like, I, you know, we don't know everything that happened. And I think that's the, probably the best way to say that because I don't know what the, you know, the lack of communication or the communication issues, you know, did Aubrey disagree with direction they're going in certain ways? And that's another thing too, that I had a question about separately sort of of this, but not separately. Um, someone asked Campbell yesterday, you know, Coverage-wise, are you going to change things now that Brian Duker uh, is running the show um, back in the secondary there? And, you know, Aubrey was the pass game coordinator, essentially. So are you going to change coverages? And Dan said something about, like, how it's going to be like a hybrid, More, you know, that's what we kind of want. And, Chris, you can speak to this. When we talked to Aaron Glenn two years ago, on, uh, on it was all split safety. That's all he talked about. That's why we hired Aubrey Pleasant. We were both from the same tree. Um, we know the yeah. same style. And my question now is, like, and I'm just speculating totally from the sky here is like, are they changing philosophies defensively? And did he not agree with it and was like, get me out of here. I don't know. I don't know all that, but like, that's, those are things, thoughts that crossed my mind uh, as we listened yesterday. Cause it's, uh, it's, this one is hard to understand fully for me, but it's also, we don't know the full picture. Yeah. I mean, and that's what, that's, what's hard. I mean, I think at some point you figured there was going to be something. Right, like you Maybe thought there'd so. be a fall yeah. guy somewhere. Yeah, I was surprised that it was there, but you know, the more you look at sort of how they performed and the things that were, even in that game Sunday, like Colton was tweeting out the uh, <laughs> was it the third and ten or whatever it was where oh uh, yeah was it Waddle or Hill whoever it was Hill. just ran by but oh. ran between Parker yeah. and Warrior and, and, and then there were guys open on slants underneath <laughs> and they were blitzing and but they were playing cover four over like I don't even know what the coverage was on that yeah and that wasn't the only play in that game where you watched it and like what are you doing and it seemed like the front seven had a totally different play call than the back four (laughs) and that happened in the Seattle game and happened like every game they've gotten exposed basically yeah yeah hey look it's true they play horribly yeah so yeah and so it's the the Firing sort of indicates that Pleasant had a lot to do with the, mm-hmm. as Campbell said, the, like the message not getting home. But I don't know, like if that was Glenn and Campbell being on different pages, if that was Glenn making calls and just guys not understanding it. Like it's really hard to sort of parse out where the exact breakdown was. But yeah, clearly something was not working there. Um, and yes, and maybe so this is I, something that will reveal itself to us in time. I, you know, Anthony Lynn uh, last year was, uh, this is what this feels like, although you fired him. They didn't fire Anthony Lynn. I mean, that was a separate, he stayed on staff and finished up. This is a firing. I mean, I, maybe it's a different deal. Maybe Aubrey said, just fire me if you're going to demote me, whatever. Um, I don't know that. But, like, that's what it felt like to me. And at the time when they when they did the thing with Lynn, you know, you were like, what's going on? What's happening? And then I remember we were talking about it, and I'm like, I don't even know if Campbell quite knows what he wants to do yet. And then it, it was very quickly revealed. I think we kind of picked up on it like, okay, he wants Ben Johnson to be his offensive coordinator and Goff could not work with Lynn. He, they, they did not get along, you know, they just didn't. It, the, the offense totally changed and we saw that play out. Um, and so I'll give it, you know, we'll give it some games and see what happens. But that to me, <laughs> like I, just, I don't know. Are we suddenly going to start seeing... Okuda Island out here. I mean, like, I, you know well, what I mean. I, like, I don't know yeah. if we're going to see a stark change 
the way we did last year. Yeah. Speculate on the scheme a little bit more. I, I will say that the thing that it raises for me is to kind of go back to this is something that the three of us have talked about privately is like I just it feels to me like there's more of a disconnect across levels of the this whole thing right now than there, there were yeah. last year, whether it's Holmes and Campbell, like even this pleasant hiring. Now I'm sort of thinking back and like, did Campbell hire this guy? Right. Or did Holmes tell him he was really good? And now like he was really good out there. And Glenn said, yeah, I thought they did a good job. And he's like, all right, let's bring him in. It sounds like he's a local guy. He'll understand the culture. Let's get him in here. And now, yeah. and now it didn't work. And so I, you know, I kind of going back over the Lynn thing too. Like I, Campbell, I think, reached out to Lynn, but they did that before they traded for Goff. And we talked about that. Like, right. they probably told Anthony Lynn, like, Come after in here, the fact, we're have to yeah. revamp this offense. Tyrod Taylor's a free agent. It's going right. to look, you can come in and do what you want. And then three days later, you're like, uh, sorry. Uh, we don't have any receivers. But so good luck. Good yeah, luck. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's the type of stuff that. You know, it feels like it's been a little clunkier over the first two years than maybe it initially felt like it was going to be. And so, yeah. I, you know, and, and that's not to say that Campbell hated Aubrey Pleasant or like didn't want him around. But I do kind of think back and wonder, like, was Campbell going out like we got to bring in Aubrey Pleasant or did that happen, you know, with other yeah. people sort of driving the train there? And I don't want to totally speculate on. You know, when I said earlier, like maybe this is a decision that Campbell makes to wake people up and say, "Hey, this is we gotta, we can't allow this. This is not okay, right?" But it's also like I can't help but wonder, given this franchise's history, if the fact that the owner decided to come out two weeks ago and give an awkward five-minute whatever that was, um, four four minutes, four minute whatever that was, that was totally unnecessary and no one asked for, frankly. Um, if this isn't reactionary from them, from Sheila and Rod. I'll say it. I mean, like, that's what sometimes when we see moves like this that are really hard to understand on the, you know, and it's like, I don't want to all the way with that because, like I said, like, maybe we'll give it a couple games and we'll see what happens. Like, maybe they circle the wagons and it was like, oh, well, shit, like, maybe Aubrey wasn't delivering the message like he should have. But I understand where the mind goes when things like this happen that are hard to wrap your head around. Is this someone panicking that doesn't need to be panicking, that doesn't need to have any say on anything that has anything to do with this football team. And that's what I worry about. And I think sometimes that's what the fans, I know that's what the fans worry about. And I think that that's based on the evidence and the history here. It's a fair concern. Am I wrong? Chris is laughing. Colton's laughing. Just, you're going to end up with like a horse head in your bed. When I don't care. <laughs> because it's like, that's what the concern is. It's just like, that's where people's minds go. Are you panicking and should you not be panicking? And it's like, I can't argue with them on that. I can't, when the fans go there and they do all the time, that's all the questions we ever get from them. Every time a decision is made, and you both know it, well, did Rod say that they had to do this or, did she, you know, and it's like, okay. Like every single time, you know, the question got asked yesterday um, to uh, Holmes, right? Colton about, hey, do you have the power, the, the power to fire Campbell? Yeah, And it's not a question that we know the answer to. And it's like, it's a fair question. Why is that a, only the Lions? And it's like, that's the thing that these weird moves or the ones that are hard to see on the surface, like, that's the stuff that Sheila, I feel like, has to do a better job of understanding. That that's where the people are going to go with it, you know? It shouldn't be a question, and we don't know what the answer is, but the fact no. that it even is something that we can discuss here yeah, is like, we don't probably know. reflective it's of... 100%. Some of the history here. I think he just. No, I agree. I, I just, I don't. 
I don't think it's something that necessarily is the case or whatever. I'm just saying I understand where fans heads go when this but sort of thing right. happens. I mean, you're both because, right. It shouldn't yeah. be this is something that should be spelled out. And it's like not. this isn't yeah. this is right. right. This isn't something that we get and I don't think there's an I don't think There we go. Okay, good. We're caught up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're back. Go ahead, Chris. <laughs> I'm just cold. I, uh, I I don't I don't think this is something where you get to the end of year three and then uh, hopefully it doesn't get to this point for the organization. But if you're bad this year and you're bad next year, like at some point you're going to have to answer this question. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you and I talked. This was one of the things I said I got on early to air some grievances. This was one of the things where I was like, are they like, is this a package deal? Like, we don't know. I have we no don't idea. And I think it is a fair question to ask because eventually – one way or another, like this is not going to be your GM coach tandem for the next, like forever and ever and ever and ever. At no, some point, right. whether you're successful or unsuccessful, it's gonna someone's going to yeah. have to do something here um, that maybe you don't want to do. And I don't think we know whether that's Sheila or uh, Holmes or Mike Disner or some right, combination or one of, of the, people. The, the, There's the a USC lot of guy. cooks in the kitchen there <laughs> that we have been told along the way where significant decision makers here. Like Disner was right in this thing when they he hired was, yeah. people and Rod Wood was part of it. And then they hired uh, the guy from USC. And like, there's a yeah. lot of people here that could eventually have to be part of a, a discussion, but I, I don't think it's an unfair question to ask like who has ultimate, I mean, Sheila, I guess has ultimate authority, but right. I don't think As she wants be. to, do this either. Like, I don't think she wants to get to the end of next year and be like, well, do I separate the two or do I, I don't think she wants to make that decision either. So I don't know. I, I no, I, but, they, but, but again, yeah, maybe they will. And it's like, it won't matter. But I mean, like, it's like, and I don't, and I, again, I want to be careful because I don't want to act, accuse things of whatever, but like, this right. is the thing that they're fighting all the time. Like, and I was just talking to somebody yesterday, like fans have a hard time. They cannot unpack. You know, Chris and I were saying before that we started recording, fans cannot unpack the 60-year malaise from the mission at hand right here and right now. And it's they're not the same. Like, what happened with Patricia and Caldwell and Schwartz and on and on, all the way back, like, that that does not – it does impact what's what, to a degree what the situation that you have right now, but it also doesn't. Like, what's happening on the field is totally irrelevant from all of those things, and you can't totally just dump one on top of the other, but at the same time – you understand where the fan frustration goes when you see a coach that everyone seemingly liked get fired, although this is the worst secondary in football. So, you know, it's like, I don't so, know how bad we can cry for him. I have a, I have a couple questions here. Yeah. Well, going back to Pleasant for a sec. Yeah. Um, the So my notion coming into the Lions beat was that Aaron Glenn and Aubrey <laughs> Pleasant are good DB coaches. You know, you give them talent to work with, they can kind of – whether you have talent or not, actually, you can, they can kind of get the most out of these guys, right? Yeah. That was kind of the idea going. That was their hope. It. That was a hope. So that didn't happen exactly as planned this year. But if if AP has the reputation that he has, mm-hmm. and you know, regardless, you have to still add talent. Like they have a lot of picks, five in the top sixty-five, to go out and add cornerbacks. You know, safety here. You know, like right. they have they have the talent in the picks to do that, right? Like they have the the draft capital to go out and get some guys now. Why not just give them the end of the year? get some talent here, and then in year three, see what Pleasant can do with some young talent. I just don't 
really understand it. So now give them to the end of the year and let and bring the draft picks in because that's what you're going to say, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, because you got you have to do that anyway. You have to sign more guys. We have to, you have to spend more money here. The roster is weak. It's weak. What Brian is Brian Duger going to turn this? If he does, he's a great coach. But like, yeah, that's why it doesn't make sense. That's why it's hard to understand because it's like this is a guy that had a reputation as a teacher. As a as a developer, and you are preaching that to everyone you talk to, Holmes does that, right? Like Colton, we talked yeah. about that in the summer. Like he talks, that's the message they send. We're all about development here. Okay, like that's why guys like Jerry Jacobs got a shot. Yeah, that's why they kept uh, easy for Hank to, to work with. Like that's what they're about, and it's like it's the same thing. It's like, well, if the offensive line had let up some sacks, we're gonna fire Hank. Like in in like his biggest value to the franchise is the fact that he can take linemen and turn them into something greater than what they are like if that's what you saw in him then why are you firing him over results with a bad roster yeah and right? and honestly when you look at the, the schedule coming up like you have the packers the packers i know they have aaron Rodgers, obviously but they don't have the best receivers no like, they don't bears don't have the best receivers the giants don't have the best receivers like why not at least give them the, ne- the next three games that's true you can do and turn things around now you have brian duker in here who by all accounts like they like what he can do like he coached mm-hmm. with glenn in, in cleveland i think is what campbell yeah, said yeah that's what he and, said they have that connection there, but like, how much really are you expecting to get out of this group that you didn't already get out of? Out of, out of I don't know. And a guy with his reputation—that's that's kind of my question going forward. And I guess we'll see. But I, it's another reason to question this move. I think. Yeah, it's a uh, it's well, yeah, we'll see. And I think that that's fair. We'll have to see how it plays out because same thing as last year when they you know did the thing with Lynn. It was like okay, well, we'll see. And people had that question too at the time. They were like, "Is Rod meddling?" And he wasn't. And it's like I understood the question. <laughs> And, he, and it turns out that he was not. So that was totally Dan Campbell's move or decision. And it and I thought it worked out really well. And it kind of saved where they were going. And I assume that's the idea somewhere in here. I just I feel like there's got to be more to it than that. And why him, I guess, would be the bigger one. But in any event, I think that's uh, that was a lot uh, to discuss. We haven't even talked about the Packers. I don't think we, <laughs> we quite need to. We can unpack that after the fact. Uh, Chris, appreciate you joining us this week. Colton, you got anything else here for the people before we write out? Uh, I'm all good. I'm all, all right. good. I think Sounds good. Well, I hope, I hope I don't have any uh, lion's heads in my bed, as Chris has uh, claimed it's coming my way uh, when this all wraps up. But in any event, <laughs> Lions-Packers on Sunday. Don't be shocked, folks, if the Lions circle the wagons here. Sometimes this team uh, plays its best when you think they're at their absolute rock bottom, although I think we've said that like three weeks in a row now, Colton. And I I'm haven't. Looking, so. I'm looking forward to... Every fan that's pissed right now, they're losing. I'm looking forward to being even more pissed when they win like four games yeah, right. down the stretch. And the blowout, the blowout Green Bay. Yeah, right. Yeah. In any event, we'll be here to talk about all of it with you one way or the other. Uh, thanks to the guys for joining us. Thanks to all of you for listening. Uh, be sure to tip your bartenders and servers, as Brendan likes to say. Be good, and we'll talk to you guys later. Peace.